uh, in our lives. Uh, and what we've been seeing is that our emotions are often the truth tellers of something that's going on maybe a little deeper uh, in our life, something that's maybe going on in our heart or in our spiritual life. Uh, our emotions are, are kind of like a smoke alarm we've been talking about. Uh, I've used the example of uh, Lynette's uh, wonderful cooking and how we know when it's time to eat when the smoke alarm goes off. And uh, any of you that knows Lynette as a cook knows that's not true. Uh, but we had a little experience here not long ago uh, with our smoke alarms in the fire department, and uh, it was cute. But anyway, our smoke alarms typically just, just uh, uh, let us know that there's a problem somewhere. They don't really resolve the problem. They don't really pinpoint where the problem is. They just let us know that there's a problem going on, and then we need to go find the source uh, of the smoke. And so I've reminded you each week uh, that for some, there's a lot more going on uh, when it comes to our emotions than what I can deal with from up here. Uh, but these emotions, you know, we've been talking about, they could be tied to a traumatic experience that you've had in the past. They could be tied to a, uh, an unhealthy or destructive relationship that maybe you've been a part of. Uh, they can also be tied to physiological uh, and psychological things that are going on within us. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been focusing on the spiritual aspect, the spiritual peace that factors into our emotions and the things that we deal with and the things that, that we struggle with uh, and how they can contribute to our emotions. Now, the first week, uh, we looked at depression um, we talked about that last week. In week number two, we talked about anxiety uh, and worry and what the Bible has to say about that. If you missed either one of those and you struggle with any of those areas, I would encourage you just to go back and listen. They're available on our website. You can install our uh, app on your smartphone. You can listen to the messages there. Uh, but I encourage you to go back if you missed any of those and would like to hear those messages. This week, with it being Thanksgiving, I, I want to talk to talk about an emotion that many of us may experience this week. Uh, with Thanksgiving coming up, every pastor in America is preaching on what do you think? Thanksgiving and being grateful. I'm preaching on anger. <laughs> and some of you are like, yes. I need this today because I know who's going to be in my house Thursday, right? And so this is the emotion we're going to deal with today. We may talk about being grateful next week, but today we're going to talk about being mad uh, because some of you are. I can tell by the look on your face you're mad right now. And, uh, but uh, anyway, we're going, to, we're going to talk about, you know, this emotion of anger that all of us deal with to some degree uh, in our lives. And, and I, I know that I don't have to tell you this, but, but anger can be very destructive to relationships. It can be very destructive uh, to our families. You know, just yesterday I was made aware of a situation of a family with Thanksgiving coming up. And, you know, family members are into it about some of the stupidest things I hear that people get mad about, and they're like, they're saying, well, if they're coming to Thanksgiving, then I'm not going, and some of you are having to deal with that this week, and the dynamic of that, and, and anger and being mad just fuels that and adds to it, and so it uh, can be very destructive, uh, and anger and, 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 you know, dealing with this emotion can be something very difficult for us to deal with uh, in our own hearts, and so we're going to talk about it this morning, see what Scripture has to say uh, about it, because, you know, we all deal with it to some level. I heard about an, another family, uh, an elderly couple uh, that had been married for years and years and years. Uh, I won't tell you who they are, but the uh, husband's name's Charles, the wife's name's Mary. Uh, uh, but anyway, they were talking about arguments that they had had in the past, and they had been some pretty heated arguments. Uh, and, you know, the, uh, Charles said, well, you know, Mary, he said, I, I'm sorry that I, I put you through some of what I put you through these past years, and I, I know that I flew off the handle sometimes about some things that I shouldn't have, and I'm sorry about that. And uh, she said, it's okay. She said, I learned how to deal with it. He said, well, you know, how, how did you take it so well? And she said, well, when you would do that, she said, I would just go clean the toilets. And he was like, he said, clean the toilets? How does that, how does that help? And she said, because I used your toothbrush. Uh, <laughs> And if you know Charles and Marianne, you know that's not a true story. Because she was the one flying off that. No, I'm kidding. 
Um, so me and a word of advice, hide your toothbrush. Because <laughs> I just planted an idea in your wife's head. Uh, but there are good ways of dealing with anger. There are bad ways to deal with anger. And I don't know anyone who doesn't look back at some point in time and say, you know, I wish I could take that back. I could take back what I said. I could take, I could take back the way I responded. Some of you have sent text messages before and you regretted it, you know, because you can't ever really tell if someone is angry in a text message. But uh, maybe you've sent one that you know you shouldn't have sent or an email that you wish you could have back. Uh, some of us can look back and see relationships that were damaged or maybe even lost uh, because anger uh, and getting mad. Some people have lost jobs. Some people go to jail because they have lost control uh, of their anger and they let it get the best of them. And, and some of you here, you, you know, you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me. I, I don't respond in that way. I don't have an aggressive anger. I don't show outbursts of anger. I don't, I'm not the kind of person that flies off the handle. Uh, scream or, or act a fool, you know, when I'm mad. Uh, and that may be true uh, because some people are aggressive uh, when they're angry. Some people are very passive uh, when they're angry. And uh, the more passive ones are the ones who, you probably know somebody like this, they punish you by saying nothing, right? They, they punish you by giving you the cold shoulder, uh, uh, giving you the silent treatment. Uh, these people who, you know, passively deal with their anger, uh, they are the ones that tend to nurse bitterness, let it brew, let it stew. Um, you know, sometimes they will respond. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. A lot of times my, my frustrations will come out in sarcasm. You know, I can say it's sarcastic, and it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm dead serious. You know, I'm in every word of what I just said. Uh, and so some people do that. But all of these, all these ways, whether they're aggressive or passive or whatever, they can be destructive and they can be harmful to not just our relationships, but they can be harmful to us. And, and so we're going to look at it this morning uh, because, you know, here's the deal. We live in an angry society today. I don't know if you've noticed, but you turn on the news at night, turn on the, the late night talk shows. Uh, everybody's offended, everybody's mad, everybody wants to argue, and, and, and so, you know, some of you experience it at work, some of you experience it at classroom, at school, uh, experience it on Highway 65, uh, on the freeway, uh, people are just angry. And so I believe Paul's words to us here in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, are very appropriate for the time in which we live and the anger that a lot of people deal with. And so we're going to pick it up this morning. We're going to start verse number 26 uh, in Ephesians 4. And Paul starts with this interesting statement, In your anger, do not sin. And then he says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. We're going to come back to some of these in a minute, talk about them a little more in depth. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, in Paul's passage here about anger, there's, there's three things that I want to kind of point out and talk about uh, this morning. Uh, first, uh, kind of, uh, uh, we see a confusing command here, in your anger do not sin. Second, we see Paul kind of give a, a response, an answer to uh, our anger and dealing with anger. And third, how we are to be like Jesus uh, when it comes to uh, our anger. So the first thing uh, we see here is this, is this confusing command. Uh, it almost seems like, in your anger, do not sin. So Paul is basically saying here what? Get angry, <laughs> right? You will be angry. You will get angry. In your anger implies here that we will be angry and get angry uh, because, honestly, there are times when we should be angry. There are times when we should get angry. And you know, some of us were raised to think that feelings of anger were wrong and feelings of anger were, were, were sinful. But that is not what the Bible teaches us uh, at all about anger. The Bible teaches us that anger is actually sometimes a necessary part of love. 
right? Uh, one scholar said it like this. Anger is a destructive energy released in defense of something you love. Think about why you get angry. You get angry most of the time because it's in response to something that you are in love with, that you love deeply, that you care about a lot, something that you have placed great value on, right? And, and so think about it. When you love the person uh, that's afflicted with cancer, all right, you hate and are angry at the cancer that is destroying them, right? And, and so, you know, that's not sinful, to hate that someone has cancer or hate cancer or be angry with cancer. You know, I, I love my kids, and, and when we were raising them, you know, there were times when uh, I would get angry with them, and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it was for the wrong reasons, but sometimes it was for the right reasons because sometimes you see a moral cancer at work in the life of someone you love uh, like that, like when they're being dishonest and they're not being completely honest and they're not telling the truth and you know, you know that that's a cancer that will eat away at their soul if they continue that or or maybe when they're being rebellious and seeing things that was damaging to their future or to their souls, we might get angry about that. Uh, if we love the glory of God, we will get angry at what will diminish that or that attacks. The, the glory of God. So don't miss this. Jesus got angry, right? And, and so we, we know that it's okay because it says that we can, are, can be angry. Jesus got angry, and not just passively, but sometimes with aggression. Uh, we see in Mark chapter 3, after he heals the man uh, with the crippled hand, the Pharisees are jumping on him about, you know, he, he worked on the Sabbath day. You know, he did something on the Sabbath, and we've got rules against that. And, and, and we see that they angered Jesus by the things that they were saying. And, and Mark says that they, uh, you know, would promote their religious customs uh, and their religion over the love of a fellow human being. And so, you know, Jesus' anger toward them was out of his love toward this man that had a great need. Matthew 21, Jesus got aggressively angry at the religious leaders and the money changers in the temple. And we read the story about, you know, him making whips and him driving them out with whips. You know, and, and after we read that story, we don't see where he gets together uh, with the disciples and go, guys, you know, I just kind of I, I flew off the handle there and I kind of lost it. Uh, I'm sorry. I know I probably shouldn't have responded or acted the way I should. I should use my words and, you know, leave the whip at home. You know, we, we don't see that. And, but we, what we do see is that the Bible says that Jesus went to the cross sinless, and so the way he responded and, and the anger that he experienced was not a sin. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should go to work tomorrow and start driving people out with whips that make you mad because none of us probably had the self-control that Jesus had, uh, okay? But, but you know, I, I don't want to get complaints this week or phone calls tomorrow saying that you're, I need to come visit you in jail because you took my advice, all right? That's what I'm just saying. Uh, Jesus can get away with that. You probably not so much. Uh, but anyway, I'm just saying that this, if you never get angry, then you're probably not much like Jesus, all right? Because he did. He, he got angry. Uh, you should be angry when you hear about the rights of others uh, being trampled on. You should be angry when you should hear stories of people that are abused by people that they should have been able to trust. That should make us angry, right? Uh, in, in the face of evil, if you aren't angry, then you aren't loving. And, and we see that throughout Scripture. And Jesus even gave us the, the, the example of this. Jesus got angry sometimes because he loved so deeply. So Paul says this, so when you're angry, all right, do not sin. When you're angry, do not sin. And sinful anger often comes from our love of the wrong things. A lot of times this anger that causes us to sin is, comes from our love for things that really shouldn't be at the top of the list. Things that we shouldn't be so, getting so upset about because really uh, they, they really don't matter that much. If what we love is messed up, then our anger is going to be messed up uh, along with that. For example, uh, it's not wrong to value your name or to value your reputation. I've told my kids all my life, one of the most valuable things that you have is your name. And, and you can destroy that. 
you know, with one bad decision and one wrong thing. And so we've instilled that in our kids. And there's nothing wrong to value your name and your, your reputation. But if you put too much value on that, if you make that like at the top of the list, then you're going to get angry. You're going to get very angry when someone insults your integrity or they attack your ego or, or whatever. Uh, if you love to be in control, and I know none of you are like that, uh, but, but if you love to be in control uh, or you love convenience, then when those things are threatened, it'll make you mad and you'll get angry about it. Because you are being inconvenienced, right? And so then again, it's all about who? It's about you, the person that you love the most, right? And so we got to be real careful with that. And so whenever something makes us mad and we begin to feel the boiling and the anger come up, we should always ask, why am I getting angry and what is my anger defending? All right? Is my anger justified or is it not? And we can answer that by what is my anger defending? Okay, when your teenager comes home late, what drives your anger? You know, is it the fact that you lost sleep? Is it the fact that, you know, uh, they caused you to worry and to stay up late? And, and we may make that the issue, okay? But the biggest issue is actually their disregard for rules, right? That's really what it's all about. Uh, and, and so our anger must be focused on that instead of how it affects us. Because so, so often we get mad and we get angry and we fly off the handle because of how something affected us. Uh, you know, I was talking, I talked about Highway 65 earlier. Uh, I just can't help but think that that's of Satan. I believe Highway 65 will be in the pits of hell uh, when it's all said and done. Um, man. When, when, you know, Fridays, what is the deal with Friday? Uh, it's like the, the population of our town quadruples on Friday afternoon because there are 10 billion cars on Highway 65 and none of them are moving. Uh, and so, you know, and, and people are, are trying to, uh, some of you know, uh, some of you do this, trying to worm their way in off the side streets onto Highway 65, and they're trying to cut in line in front of you. Any of you ever experienced that? And it makes you mad, right? Because they're trying to cut, right? If, they get in, if they're going to get in line, get in line behind me, right? Because they're trying to worm their way in, in front uh, on the side of the streets, and you give them that look like, oh, no, you don't, you know? I've, I've seen some of you. Uh, and you're hanging like two inches off the bumper off the person in front of you, you know, so they can't cut in line. And, and, and it makes us mad. I mean, we get angry. We, we don't like that. Why? Is our anger in those situations, is it motivated by our concern for that person that they're selfish? I mean, is that why we're angry? Is it because we're concerned about the selfishness in their life? Or is it because they're inconveniencing us, right? Uh, because when I'm the one that's trying to worm my way in from the side street, I think it's perfectly okay, right, for you to let me in. Matter of fact, if you let me in, I smile and wave, and if you don't, I'm like, they're not a Christian. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the, the, the point is our anger becomes a problem in our lives when what we love is the problem. And so that, that kind of brings us to Paul's second point here, and it's the answer to this kind of anger, the wrong kind of anger, the selfish kind of anger. Uh, and he says right before this passage that we read there in verse 24, he says, put on the new self. All right, and Paul's whole discussion here about anger comes in a series of commands. All right, not suggestions, they're, they're commands from the Apostle Paul. But the problem is that some of them seem impossible. All right? for, for, for me, for you, for us as humans, for example, verse 31 and verse 32, he says, Get rid of all bitterness. All right? That's easy for you to say, Paul. You know, Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage, get rid of all anger. Be kind, be compassionate. Forgive one another. Oh, we just love that feel-good message from Paul, right? But honestly, is it, are, are these not the hardest things to do? 
you know, and, and, and some of you know that when you're really angry or you're really frustrated or really hurt, these things can seemingly be impossible for, for us to be able to do. I mean, how do you just turn that off? How, how do you just turn off that emotion and, and stop being bitter and instead be, be forgiving? And, and Because basically when it comes to anger and when it comes to forgiveness, we often fall into one or three categories uh, in those situations. The first is this. We know that we should forgive, but we just can't seem to muster up the courage to ask for it or to give it, right? We, we just can't seem to come up with the courage or the strength to be able to do that. The, the second is that we feel like if we forgive someone, we're, we're, we're letting them off the hook. You know what I mean? If I forgive them, then that means that what they did to hurt me or what they did wrong is, you know, just let, we're letting it go and it doesn't feel like the right thing to do because they should be punished. They should know. That their actions and what they did affects other people, and, and so, you know, they should pay for what they've done to us. And, and then the third thing is, is basically we claim to have gone through the motions of forgiving someone, but the memories of the event keeps coming back to our mind. The way they treated us, the way they made us feel, the way they hurt us keeps popping back up, and then we have to wonder, did I really ever even forgive them to begin with? And have I handled this properly and, and you know, done this uh, in the best way. And so the question is, how do we do what Paul is commanding us to do here? And, and it's important that we understand the context of what Paul is talking about here, which is part of the bigger picture starting in verse four, uh, 24, where Paul says, put on the new self, or some uh, translations say the new man, which means this, we are not living under the reality of us as humans we are now, Paul is describing this reality that we can live in that Jesus created for us, right? And we see it at the end of verse 32 where he says, forgiving each other just as Christ through, as in Christ God forgave you. That's the new reality that we can live in and that we can experience. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Because here's the deal. The first thing that we need to recognize is this. We are sinners. All right, We are sinners, and, and it's not that we have been sinned against, but what we must keep in mind first and foremost is that we are sinners. All right, And, and so, uh, you know, when we have been sinned against, our first thought must be, but I am a much bigger sinner right, than the sin that has been committed against me. Uh, when Lynette and I, you know, when we get crossways, and yes, we do, and I know that's hard for some of y'all to believe because you see me up here, and I seem like an absolutely perfect person to you, and I would be great to live with and easy to get along with. All right, I'm not. Lynette is. I mean, she's perfect. She's the only one besides Jesus Christ, but she is, uh, but I'm not, and none of you are either, and she's not either, actually. Uh, but, you know, so we have to understand all right, number one, I'm a person that has been deeply forgiven. I'm a person that has been forgiven of a lot. And a whole lot more than I'll ever have to forgive someone else of. All right? And so we need to understand that. We need, we need to realize that. So in other words, Paul is saying here that we must approach any situation deeply aware of how much we have been forgiveness have been forgiven and how much we are in need of forgiveness. And then Paul gives us a, another piece of great advice here in verse number 26. Again, easier said than done. But he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Right? And we think, you know, we try. Okay, Paul said this. So, uh, you know, if we have a little argument at the house, have a little dispute, then we all need to just apologize and, and then go to bed. Some of you have tried that. It don't really work much for me. I don't know about y'all. But, I mean, we've tried that, and I'm still mad, uh, uh, even though we've gone through the process of what Paul said. But here, here's, I believe, what Paul is, the point he's really trying to get at here is this, that we need to give up the right of being judge of the universe. <laughs> All right? When we go to bed at night, we need to give up the right of trying to be judge and jury uh, of everybody else. Paul's telling us that we can't carry with us to bed this burden of righting all the wrongs in the world. All right, because we just can't do that. And here's the deal. God has said, I got it. 
God has said, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of righting all the wrongs. I'll take care of justice. He says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. Right? And so he's got this. And so you and I, we can lay our head on our pillow tonight and go to sleep because he is the judge that will right all the wrongs, and we don't have to. We don't have to work it all out while we're there in bed because that's where you do it. You know good and well, when you go to bed at night, that's when you lay there and you figure it all out. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to say. And, Lord, I hope I can remember all this in the morning because this is good stuff. Right? And I can't wait to see that person face to face because this is how I'm going to handle it. Right? I'm going to make them pay. Make them understand. Right? It's not our job. Not our job. God's the judge. He, he has ultimately promised that he would do that. Uh, he talked, Paul talked about this uh, further in Romans chapter 12 where he says, you know, do not repay evil with evil. He says, let God deal with all that. That's not your place to repay anything. He's a matter of fact, if your enemy, if that person that has you so worked up, if they're hungry, give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. He says, but do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And he talks about putting the burning coals on their heads, right, by doing that. And that's a whole other message. But the point is this, you can live free of, of the burden of feeling like you have to make things right. You can be free of that. You can live free of that. By feeling like you're the ones that's got to make you get the one that's got to make everything right because God has promised to do that for us to carry that burden uh, for us and so we don't have to carry around the bitterness that that comes from feeling like they're just going to get away with it right if I just let it go and I just forget about it then they've just got away with it because God says vengeance is mine to repay not yours to repay all right so we can relax and rest from that because we're not the ones that Carry out the vengeance. That's God's job. He says he's got it. He'll take care of it. And so, yes, we can turn some of these situations and our anger over to God as the sun goes down and trust him to be the judge and have the final judgment in those situations. Paul's answer to the wrong kind of anger, again, is putting on this new self. This new self, which means wrestling with the heart of the gospel message, which is what? That Jesus forgave us, right? And so we are to be like him, and we're to forgive and extend forgiveness. And we can resign from being judge of the universe because we trust God's judgment in, in these things. And that brings us to the last advice uh, that we have here from Paul, and it's basically this, and this sounds kind of weird, uh, but how to be angry like Jesus, <laughs> right? Want to be angry? Be angry like Jesus. Uh, it's this idea that uh, loving anger, think about it. A loving anger is redemptive and not vindictive. All right, a loving anger will always be redemptive and not vindictive. In other words, it's directing our loving anger toward the problem and not the person. He says, do not let... Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. All right? That talk that tears down, that talk that uh, destroys, that talk that just creates more conflict, Paul says don't do it. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. But they made me mad. Only say what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Our, our goal as followers of Christ will always be building up. Our responsibility as father, followers of Jesus Christ is always building up, encouraging, okay? Extending grace. Just like Jesus did for you, oh, by the way. You know, and, and a loving anger like Jesus had is always focused on what? Well, it's always focused on eliminating evil and sin in the world. That's what anger will be focused on, if it's the right kind of anger. While, don't miss this, drawing that person close to us. 
No one has ever been led to Christ by someone screaming at them that they are wrong. No one has ever experienced the love of Jesus while somebody is shaking a sign in their face calling them a name or a sinner, right? Jesus' anger was always directed at the action and the problem and not the person. He was always trying to draw the person in to show them love. And and when we do that, when we respond in that manner, can I just tell you, our loving anger will always be (laughs) short-lived. It'll be easy to let go of uh, when we lay our head on the pillow at night before the sun goes down. But but what what do most of us do? Most of us, we have a selfish anger instead of a loving anger. We have a selfish anger, and we make it all about us. And that's an anger that is still going to be there when the sun goes down, and that's an anger that you're going to wake up with in the morning if you ever actually go to sleep, right? Uh, Because we're mulling over in our mind the hurt and trying to figure out a way to justify it, how to uh, uh, get back, you know, and we just let these things simmer. Uh, maybe none of y'all do that. I don't know. Maybe it's just me that struggles with this going to bed at night. Uh, but Lynette and I, we talk about this uh, from a perspective of marriage. Uh, in the marriage small group that we host at our house, uh, we talk about this quite a bit. Uh, that, you know, it's, uh, we have to learn and try to deal with conflict the right way. All right? It, it takes effort. It takes some, some trying. It, it takes some, some uh, uh, you know, learning to know how to deal with these things. We have to learn to talk to people in a way that's not demeaning. All right, because some of us can do that. And, and so we have to learn to say things that aren't demeaning to people. Uh, we have to learn to say things in a way that it doesn't sound like an attack on the other person. See, I've had to learn how to approach Lynette uh, when something is bothering me, and she's had to learn how to approach me when something is bothering her. And unfortunately, we didn't figure this out the first 25 years that we were married. And so that's why we're trying to help people today. If we can just help somebody a little earlier in the process than when we figured this out, they'll all be better off. Because here's the deal. If I approach her with accusations... If I approach her accusing or blaming her, or I approach her, you know, she's, she says something, and in response I go, well, that's silly, or that's stupid. You know, immediately, what have I done? I, well, I've just squirted some gas on her little fire, right? And she can make a bomb real quick. And, and so, the, you know, we, we need to be careful. It's not a loving way to handle things uh, in, in our relationships. And, and it never helps. It never resolves anything. Uh, we've learned how when something's going on and we feel it brewing and, and, and something bothering us, we've learned how to say that to the other person in a way that it is not offensive and it doesn't, you know, stir their fire or put gas on the fire. Uh, I, I've shared, and she'll, she'll be the first to tell you, uh, that if, if she comes to me uh, and says, you need to blank, It'll freeze over before I'll do it, you know? And and not just with her. I mean, the same way with you. If you come to me and say, I need to do something, you can forget it. You can do it yourself or it ain't never going to get done. All right? Because that's just not, you know, I don't like people to command me and give give orders, you know? And in the same way, you know, we, we talk about when something's bothering you. You can say in a way something's bothering you. You can say that in a way that's not hateful. All right? You can say... And you got to try, and you got to work at it. But you can say, you know, when, when you did this, I felt this way. And you can't argue about that. No one can say, well, that's silly or that's stupid that you feel that way because the way you feel is just the way you feel. And if you express that you feel a certain way, that's just a fact. And when you can learn to have those conversations and to have those discussions without, you know, slamming doors and yelling and screaming and all those things that we do sometimes... You, you, you know, it will be so far ahead of the game when it comes to our relationships. I, I had a couple uh, one time that they used to just fight and fight and fight and fight. They would come see me, 
And, you know, we'd work through, and they'd talk, and they'd share about what was bothering them. They'd leave and go home, and they'd fight and fight and fight and fight. You know, they'd come back. They'd talk to me. They never fought when they they were with me. I mean, they never fought. Finally, one day I told them, I said, take my stinking picture and go and hang it in your living room and pretend like I'm always there, you know, because y'all don't ever fight when when I'm here, but you go home, and here come the police, right, because you can't get along. And so we got to work at it. We've got to put some effort in it. We've got to understand that, that you know, uh, a lot of the things that we say and do are not going to resolve uh, the issue. And so we approach the conflict choosing our words carefully and learning to do that in a loving way. And that goes a long way towards resolving conflict. And, and it, it also goes a long way to our anger being short-lived that Paul referred to earlier. All right? Uh, the book of Proverbs, I just want to close because Proverbs says a lot about being angry. Uh, not saying that we should get angry, but at least we should be slow to anger. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eleven: A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. So your friend calls tomorrow and says, I just need to vent. Say, proceed, fool, uh, because that's what the Bible says. Uh, Proverbs tells us that getting angry quickly uh, rarely ends well. Uh, Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, again, stirs it up, right? Stirs up anger. Uh, that that get back, gets back to how we speak into conflict instead of, quick and dangerous outburst and responses uh, responding with gentleness and patience and that takes work that takes effort that takes some trying uh, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says it's to one's glory to overlook an offense and sometimes the absolute best the thing to do when someone has wronged you is to just let it go And I know that's easier said than done. But Paul, again, his point is putting on this new self, which God provided for us to have on the cross of Calvary. It can be done, right? We can be. We can let it go. And that will often diffuse a lot of arguments, a lot of bad situations in our families uh, if we'll just let it go. Probably 75% of the rude things that your spouse says to you in marriage uh, you should just not respond to, all right, uh, or even confront. Because here's the deal. Our anger, all right, is the truth teller of what is going on in our own heart. Our anger is often the truth teller, the smoke detector, the smoke alarm, if you will, of what's going on in our own heart and in our life. And loving anger, Scripture says, is controlled It's a controlled burn when it burns. It's controlled, and it's slow to build because that is what our Heavenly Father is like. And He says, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to shape you, and I'm going to mold you, and I'm going to make you into my image, which, oh, by the way, God's image is often defined in Scripture as being slow to anger. Right? Slow to anger. Uh, and, and so what Paul has done here today is shown us the difference between good anger, bad anger. Good anger, loving anger. Bad anger, selfish. Selfish anger. About the wrong things. And I want to close with one final thought. You know, we talked about the world being such an angry place to live. If we would just take this, if the world would just take this advice, this new life, that Jesus has promised us, if we would just take that and do it, apply it, wouldn't this world be a better place? Wouldn't this place, wouldn't this world be a a much uh, more beautiful place, a peaceful place to live, and your relationships would be so much better if you started living this way? Thanksgiving might be a much more pleasant experience, and when old, you know, Uncle Joe that you know, always brings up politics and he's red and you're blue or you're blue and he's red, whatever. You know, wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if we just follow this advice that Paul gave us? Make the world a better place. Make our relationships 
better and stronger. But don't miss this. Here's what living this out in your life will do for you. Most importantly, it will lead to you having freedom in your life. All right, A freedom that you have not experienced for a very long time because you've been held prisoner by some of these emotions and anger and hurt and all these things. Listen, bitterness does far more damage to you than it does the person you're mad at. It will always do more damage to your heart than the person that you hold an offense against. Okay? Uh, it's been said that nursing unforgiveness is like trying to hurt someone else by drinking a cup of poison your own self. Right? That, that's what it's like. And, and not only that, but nursing bitterness and resentment. And, and Paul uh, alluded to this. It gives Satan a foothold in your life, which means this. It gives Satan an opportunity to worm his way in and destroy your heart. That's what that means. And so one of the most destructive lies that Satan uses to destroy our lives and our relationships is that we should wait on that person to come to us and beg us for forgiveness. Right? Satan would tell you today, well, you need to wait till that person changes. Or you need to wait until that person comes and admits that they were wrong and that you were right, and then you'll forgive them because you were right all along. See, that's Satan that speaks that way of thinking into our hearts and our lives. Because listen, Jesus Christ didn't do that for you. He extended you forgiveness from the cross of Calvary long before you ever said, I repent or I'm sorry, please forgive me. He did it way in advance of any of us asking for forgiveness or showing our, our humility and coming to Him for that. And, and listen, getting rid of resentment, Getting rid of that bitterness is more about your relationship with God than it is your relationship with other people. It is. That bitterness that, that you carry, that anger that you experience and express, that's more about what's going on between you and God than it is you and Uncle Tom, Uncle Joe, or whoever it is. All right, and, and so if you never get over it, if you never move on, you will forever be held a prisoner. You will forever be a prisoner of these things. So how long are you going to let someone else imprison you? Maybe even someone that's not even a part of your life anymore. Maybe someone that actually isn't even alive anymore. How long are you going to let them control your life and your emotions and hold you prisoner? Some of you need to quit living in the past and, and, and nursing those hurts from no telling how long ago. Right? And I'm not trying to minimize your pain this morning, uh, you know, or say that it wasn't that bad. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to tell you this morning that there is a way to be free from all of that. That there's a way to be free from that. There is a way out of this emotion of angerness, anger, and bitterness. But you are going to have to trust the sovereignty of God. You're going to have to trust and choose the promises of God and His promise to ultimately, He'll take care of it. He'll, he'll take care of the vengeance. He'll take care of making it right. You can't do that. And He tells us not to do that. He will do it. Because God, He is the true truth teller. Alright? He, he is. And He has told you that His love and His grace and His forgiveness is sufficient. His love and His grace will make up for any injustice that you have experienced in your life. It will. He promises us that. And so we can be free from that today. We can stand on that promise uh, today. And, and, and so forgiveness really in all reality is more about you. Okay? It's more about you than it is righting the wrong. God says, I will right the wrong. And you can trust Him. You can trust Him uh, to do that. But we first, our own selves, must receive forgiveness. Right? We must first receive it because I'm a sinner. We're sinners. And so we must first receive it. And then once we've received it, God's Word says that we are to be extensions of that. That forgiveness is to flow through us and out of us and be extended to others. Right? And that's what we'll do if we're followers of Jesus Christ. So maybe this morning, 
you need to ask for forgiveness, maybe from God or maybe from somebody else today, you just need to take that step because here's the deal. Unforgiveness is a smoke alarm that is going off in your house. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. And it's blaring. Saying, hey, there's a problem. There's something going on here. And it's alerting you of a much deeper problem that's going on in your own heart and in your own life. And so this morning, I don't know, maybe God spoke to you about some area, a relationship, a situation. I don't know what that is, but we're going to close today with a word of prayer. We're going to pray over these boxes. We're going to pray for those in our church that are going through some tough stuff. We're going to pray over this prayer chest. I saw someone walk up and put a name in that prayer chest this morning. But I want to invite you to come this morning if you want to pray. Maybe bring that situation, bring that relative, bring that whatever it is. Nobody's going to judge because we've all been there. Maybe you just want to come pray uh, and ask God to help you with something that's going on in your life, or your family, or work, at school, or whatever it may be. Great time to come. I'm not going to stay here all day, and I'm not going to ask you more than once. So if you want to come, come now. Some would like to come pray over this prayer chest. Some would like to come pray over these shoe boxes this morning. I think that would be absolutely awesome. Several in our church experiencing health problems and going through difficult situations. Philip Bailey shared with me right before I came up on platform. A friend of his fell out of a deer stand 16 feet. He's in a very serious condition in the hospital. And I think they've got the son here in Children's Church this morning. And so I want to be praying for that family. God's been so good to us. His promises are true. and We can trust Him with those. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you this morning for this beautiful reminder of what we've been promised as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of the King of Kings. We've been promised the help that we need. Uh, These things that, that we read that Paul commands us to do in these situations, we cannot do on our own. We cannot do in our own strength. We don't have it in us. But God, you have it in you. And therefore, it's in us. (laughs) If we have a relationship with you, we have the strength we need. We have the courage we need. We have the power we need. And sometimes we just need to step back and say, we've got exactly what we need. I I just need to do what God says do and trust him with the results. And maybe we take that next step. Maybe we extend forgiveness. Maybe we let it go, whatever it is, God. And, and, And it doesn't seem to make a difference. Your promise is that you will take care of it and you will handle it. And so we don't have to. We just have to do the right thing. We have to do what you've told us to do in your word. And that's what's on us. That's what's on us is doing what we've been called to do as followers of Christ. And so we thank you for the help. We thank you for the reminder today. I thank you for the, for the work that you're doing and some hearts and lives today. Some people need to walk away from here today and take a step and make a change and do things different approach how they deal with family members differently how they approach their spouse maybe a uh, issue with a child I, I don't know but all of us have things that we can definitely improve on and you've get, you've given us and promised us some help with that today God there's a lot of people gathered around these altars today carrying different things different stuff this song that we sang here and play now God we need you we need you every moment every hour every day and some days we we need you to carry us through some of the stuff that we're going through we can't even walk through it your promise is that you're there and sometimes we're grateful and thankful that you'll carry us and there are some families going through some tough stuff so I pray that you would do what you do in every situation that you would prove and you would show that you are a good God a loving God and that you've got it whatever it is I pray for this family that this uh, man that fell from his deer stand and his his life has been changed in an instant and so has his family and the friends but God we can trust you with it we know that you're going to 
you're going to be glorified some way, somehow. People are going to see you in and through that. So I pray that that hospital room today would be just a, a, a powerful place to walk into. People would walk into it and they would sense the loving, healing God uh, that we're praying to just now. Be with that family in the days ahead. Be with those that have lost loved ones. I pray for this prayer chest this morning. It's filled with names of people that we've been praying would come to know you as Lord and Savior of their life. Some of those people whose names are in that chest are here today. Some of them have been saved and been baptized. Some of them are here today and they've never made that commitment. But we're continuing to pray that they would surrender their life to you. And God, that we would be available to be used. That if you would use us in some way so that they would come to know you and surrender their life to you. We want to be available to that and obedient to that. Show us the way and show us what to do. And then I pray that you'd find us faithful. I pray for these shoe boxes here. It seems like just a simple thing to do. To take a shoe box and just fill it with some simple things that don't cost very much. But God, we know that you're going to use those for your glory. And I pray that as they go out and they go around this world, that your mission that you intended would be accomplished and that the glory of God would be known through this simple act of packing a shoebox. And God, so today, wherever they go, you go. And I just pray that uh, many would come to know you as Lord and Savior of their life as a result of a simple little act of obedience on our behalf to pack these shoe boxes. God, again, we love you so much. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the help that you've promised us. We thank you for being our Savior. We, we thank you for uh, defeating uh, death. God, we, we thank you for your awesome and amazing love for your children and that we can be called the sons and the daughters of Christ. So God, as we go from this place, we, we just want to be great children that represent you and your name well so that other people would see you and know you. And we'll always be careful to point them to you and give you the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if some of you would help we want to get these boxes back to the Family Life Center. There are a couple of tables that are set out, out there. 